Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Most weeks, because we know there's been some interesting things happening in the church in Mansfield with regards to money over the, the past few years. A lot of things in the media about it. I was even sent you know, certain articles by business colleagues of mine. But here's the thing. Just because maybe there's some instances where there's misappropriation, maybe there's been manipulation and different things, it doesn't mean that God's principles are not right and correct. And what we believe is this, is that God is going to break something over our lives and break something over this area. Who knows that finances and possessions are important to God? Not because it's about the possession, the finance, but it's actually about our heart. And that's why we're speaking into the blessed life. Because how we handle what God gives us shows what we prioritise in our lives. And this morning, it's not about what we can get from you. We've not sat around the leadership table and said, we want to get something from the guys. We need a bit more money in the coffers and the offering. It's not that. Let me tell you, God will look after Arena Church. It's not what we can get from you. It's about what God can do in you. And God wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in my life. Who believes that? Are you going to be with me this morning? Are we going to go together? Come on, let's do it. If we're going to clap God, let's clap him. So let's go to Exodus 13, verse 1 to 2. And it says this. It'll come up on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Now we'll come back to that in just a second, but don't you love to be first? Look, I know we're in church and the first shall be last and all that. You're allowed to say, who likes to be first? Yes. Ladies, I hope that you like that you're first, hopefully in your husband's lives. It's good to be first. Now, I can remember my first football team, a a team called ADAS. Now, I just want to say this, and this is going to seem, you know, self-promotion or that. We were awesome. (laughs) Like, honestly... We were, we were that good. We didn't, I, my first two years of competitive football, I didn't lose a game. Wow. From the ages of eight to ten. <laughs> all downhill, all downhill from there. We didn't lose a game. It was, it was, it was amazing. The funny thing is, is I, I can't remember when I first won a game, but I can remember when I first lost a game. It was against a team called Robin Hood. Who knows? Does anyone know the football team Robin Hood from Mansfield just around the corner? It was, fra- it was against that team. I can remember the pitch. And at the end of the game, when we lost, all of the team broke down crying. <laughs> like a bunch of sissy babies. Let me tell you, my dad sorted me out. Who knows? Sometimes you need to lose to learn, don't you? But anyway, this team was, we were, we were pretty awesome. Now, after a few years, this team, we, they decided to go to switch to Sundays, to a league on, on Sunday mornings. And because of church and different things, I didn't want to be a part of that. So I'd switch to a local team near me on a Saturday morning. Now, I went to training the first time. I'll never, ever, again, I can remember this so vividly, this training session. I'm going to be honest, it was like David Beckham turned up. Like, you can, uh, I'm using a bit of hyperbole. I don't believe this about myself. No, genuinely though, I turned up to training because people knew this team that I'd been a part of that hadn't lost for X amount of years. We were a really good team. We'd won the league multiple times. And people, this team knew I was coming from there. It, it was unreal. Like, all the guys wanted to talk to me. Like, everyone was watching me when I was doing the drills. They were thinking, he must have been having a bad day. <laughs> 
they were watching me doing the drills. Like the coaches were asking me questions. They even said, where do you want to play? I was like, oh, striker. <laughs> I, I'll be centre back. <laughs> no, no, not quite tall enough. Never been tall. Um, it was unreal. Like I, I literally felt like I was the first name on the team sheet. It feels good to feel like you're first, doesn't it? You see, when you pick anything first, you put value on it. Without words, you've said, you are the number one prospect. You are my number one priority. I want no one else apart from you. See, in our lives, God must be first. God has to be first in our lives. I want you to understand this today. God doesn't want to be first in our lives because he's insecure. God doesn't need us to sing songs to him because he's sat in heaven wondering, oh, are people thinking about me today? God's not insecure. God has to be first in our lives if we want to live a life that honors him. See, it's not just that God wants to be first. He has to be first. See, our God's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and in all places. See, God can't be anything but first, because he always was, he always is, and he forever will be. See, God can't be anywhere apart from first, because he was the first anyway. He was the first of all creation. He created us. So even if God's not first in your life, it doesn't mean he's not first. He's still first. See, God doesn't want to be second, he doesn't want to be third behind that car or behind that job. He has to be first. When you understand that, you realise that there's no one else worthy of being first. No one else with the credentials to be first. God has to be first. See, when we put God first, everything else falls into place. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. When you put God first, everything falls into place. Now, I don't think there's any better indicator to see what comes first in our lives or what we put first than where we spend our money. It's so true that our finances follow our hearts. What people love, they'll be open-handed for. You see this so much in relationships, don't you? I, I, I mean, I'm not what you call a hopeless romantic, okay? Like my, my mate Jazz, I, don't, I think he's actually nipped out of the service. Jared is a romantic. Just after the service, asked him how he proposed to Sam. <laughs> that is pretty romantic. <laughs> I'm not a hopeless romantic, but this one Christmas, I heard that Helen wanted some jewellery. You know, uh, it's amazing how I heard, Paul, you know, the... These women are pretty good at giving hints. <laughs> she was getting, we were dating at the time and I heard that she wanted a bracelet. She wanted jewellery because previous years maybe I picked some clothes and every year she returned the clothes. <laughs> Not saying much about my taste. I was like, babe, this is, this is from my heart to you. Yeah, I'm going to take that back. You've got the receipt. <laughs> it's never a good sign when someone asks for the receipt before you give them the gift. <laughs> never, never a good thing. So I went out and bought this bracelet for £300. Like, for me, that was a lot of money. Let me tell you, I was young and stupid. But, but I had no problem with the money going out of my bank account because I love Helen. Where my heart was, my finances followed. Do you see what I'm saying? So I use this to illustrate the point that where your heart leads your finances will follow. 
See, a lot of us find it really easy to buy that car or that house or those clothes or whatever it may be, but we find it really hard to honour God with our money. Now, I, I know in our culture, people can clam up when it comes to talking about money, but money is a subject that seriously matters to God. In the Bible, we have just over 500 Bible verses about prayer, and there's nearly 500 about faith. Do you know how many Bible verses there are about money and possessions? 2,000. Over 2,000. And this is throughout the Bible. Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. Clearly, from the Bible standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. See, surely you can see in our world today, and even in your own lives, the effects that a wrong relationship with money can have. This leads me to one of the most misquoted verses of the entire Bible. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. See, money itself is neutral. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad, can't it? Money's neutral. The love of money is the root of all evil. It causes loved ones to fall out, families to split, friends to become enemies because of the way that money is handled. I've seen people in my context in business, I've seen people who've chased money all their lives and they might have possessions, but they've sacrificed their families and friends so that they can chase after every last penny. They love money. Why does the Bible talk so much about money and possessions? Because money is a test from God. Today I want to talk about putting God first in our lives through returning the tithe to him. Now I'm conscious that there'll be some people here this morning who haven't heard about the principle of tithing and don't know what it means. So a, whistle, a quick whistle stop tour. Malachi 3 verse 10, God says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, the word tithe means a tenth. It literally means a tenth of the whole. So what God is saying is this, bring all of your 10% into my house. And where's God's house? The church. See, the principle of tithing is bringing a tenth of our income into God's house. Now, some people argue that because a lot of the scriptures on tithing and first fruits and firstborn were outlined in the Old Testament, that tithing no longer stands. But this is completely absurd because before this, in verse 10, God says, in verse 6, he says this, I, the Lord, do not change. This is a principle that's outlined throughout the whole Bible. We can look at the New Testament. We can look at the Old Testament. Giving is close to God's heart. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he... For God to love the world that he giving is God's heart. I think at times we're looking for a reason not to obey this important principle that God outlines because it scares us, because it will cost us. And you're looking at a guy today who's wrestled with this. You're looking at a guy today who's, who's, who's faithfully tithed in good times and in times where there's not been as much around. And I've worked this out in my life and I've seen what God will do with someone who puts him first with their finance. 
See, tithing is important because it's the primary way in which we acknowledge that God is first. I, I don't know a much more real, much more tangible way of acknowledging that God is first than giving him the first 10% of my money. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, come and talk to me afterwards if you know. I don't. But please understand this today. We're proclaiming this truth about tithing, not because God needs more money. We're delivering these truths for your sake. God doesn't need you to give, but you do need to be blessed. And this morning, I've crammed this message full of Bible verses because there's no manipulation here. And we've sat around tables saying, should we speak on these things in Mansfield because of what's gone on? But you know what? We're not going to stop because of what the devil's done in this town. We're not going to stop. We're not going to retreat. That's not going to stop us pushing into all God's got for us and all God's got for you. And you know, if we did, you know, it'd be so much easier to just leave this, push this to one side and we'll preach about something else. But God wants something for you. And God wants something for me. And I'm so thankful that someone outlined and showed me what the Bible and what God thinks about tithing because it's opened things up in my own life. And that's why this morning we want to speak about this. The first point is this. The tithe belongs to God. In this passage of scripture that we read in Exodus 13, God says this. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me whether human or animal. Now right now, tithing may make absolutely no sense to you. More than that, you might be downright offended at the suggestion that God would ask this. But it all comes down to understanding your place in it all. See, if you believe that you've done it all, that you've achieved all you've done on yourself, if it's all down to you, if it's all because of your brilliance and your importance and your talent, then yeah, you'll be pretty frustrated. But a tither understands that we aren't owners, but we're stewards. A tither understands that all we have comes from God. Your aptitude to create wealth. The fact that you have breath in your body this morning, that's down to God. It all comes down to him. The fact that you were born in this place, in the most, one of the most wealthy countries on the planet earth, who's that down to? Did you choose to, to, to be born here? That's down to God. The fact that we have breath in our bodies is down to God. And tithing comes from a heart that says, God, thank you. God, I might have gone through some tough times. I might have been through some situations. But God, I thank you. It was all yours anyway, God. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. See, this is why God can say in Exodus 13 that the tithe belongs to me. It's all God's anyway. All he's asking for is that we give him the first 10%. Now I love a deal and this is a great deal. God gives me it all and all he's asking for is me to put him first by giving him back the first 10%. I mean, if the bank were giving these kind of loans, there'd be no money left in the world. Yeah, this is God's offer to you and me. Now get this, even if you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God still gave you everything you have. See, tithing doesn't come from a mentality of legalism and law that, oh, I have to do this, you know, getting pent up every time the offering comes around. It doesn't come from that. It comes from a love for our Father, for our God. Lord, you have blessed me. You have given me all I have. And I love to honor you with the tithe. It's not about checking a tick box. It's about honoring 
our God. In Romans 11 verse 6, Paul says, For if the first fruit be holy, talking about the tithe, New Testament, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. See, giving of the tithe, bringing our first fruits to God, has the power to make the rest holy. As we bring our 10% into God's house, as we honour him with the tithe, he blesses the rest in a way that only he can. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have 90% blessed by God rather than 100% without God's blessing. See, giving 10% of our, possession, our, our money to God, it, um, it redeems the 90% that we keep. I believe this. This is why tithing requires faith, and we want to speak about this. But I believe God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100. I believe that. I want you to understand this today. There's no more real way of putting your faith to action than trusting God with the tithe. I know this is huge to people here. I know some of you are struggling with 100%. I know you're listening to this and maybe for some people it's literally hurting you. But if you believe God is in control, if you truly want to put him first, then we must return the tithe to him. Your security doesn't come from money. It comes from God. See, we can get tricked into thinking that money gives us security. And Phil spoke so well on the spirit of money last week, didn't he? Spirit of mammon. And you can get tricked into thinking that money brings you security. It's just an illusion. God gives us our security. What can money do when that incurable disease hits? What can money do when you're depressed and hopeless? What can money do when you're so addicted that you can't see a way out? What can money do to wipe away your sin? Nothing. Your security doesn't come from money. It comes from our God. And as we honor God with a tithe, every time we bring it, we show God again that he is first, that our trust's in him and not in money. See, the next thing we have to understand about tithing is this, that God tithed. God tithed. See, he modeled this in Exodus 13, verse 11 to 13. God further clarifies the instruction about, around the firstborn. So please just quickly understand this. When, when we're talking about firstborn and firstfruits, the way they made their increase, their, their money, their provision came from crops and animals, yeah? That's what we're talking about here. So it's all interrelated. Firstborn, firstfruits, tithe. Exodus 11, verse, uh, Exodus 11 to 13 again, 13, 11 to 13 says this. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, the promised land, as he promised an oath to you and your ancestors, you were to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Now listen to this. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now this might not make sense on the face of it, but this is incredibly important. What God's saying here is this. You sacrifice the first male of your clean livestock, so a lamb was clean. A lamb was seen as clean. You sacrifice the first of your clean livestock, but you redeem the unclean, i.e. the donkey, with the clean, the lamb. When John, John the Baptist first saw Jesus, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
John was pointing to the sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross. Now, when a human baby is born into the world, are we clean or unclean? Unclean. You don't need to teach a a child to be naughty. I I know that. I've got a three-year-old and one-year-old. You have to teach a child to be good. Every parent will testify to that in this place, that you don't have to teach a child to be selfish or to get angry. You need to teach a child to be generous and to be loving, yeah? We're born unclean. Was Jesus clean or unclean? Clean. Jesus was clean. Jesus was the sacrifice that redeemed you and I. Romans 5 verse 8, we see this. It says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, in a very real way, Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus gave of his firstborn to redeem you and I so that we could enter into a life of expansive freedom, a life of connection with God. And note when God gave his tithe while we were still sinners, when we didn't care about him, when you were in a mess, when you were broken, when you made jokes about God, when you laughed at him, when you turned your back on him, God gave Jesus then in faith. Tithing is always done in faith. See, God sent Jesus before anyone had been saved, before anyone, any promise of people coming to know him. God sent Jesus in the hope that we'd come to know him. See, the principle of tithing, it requires faith. It has to be first. Exodus 23 verse 19 says this, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. See, the principle of tithing is about putting God first. And the timing of our tithe is so important. See, the tithe is the first. It's the first 10% that leaves our account. Let me give you an example of what tithing isn't. Getting paid, paying your bills, going out, spending some money, buying that car, buying those clothes, going out, having a blast. And then at the end of the month thinking, what have I got left? I've got a few quid. I'm going to give that to God. That isn't tithing. That doesn't require faith. The tithe comes first. It isn't an afterthought. It isn't we'll see how we get on. It isn't we've got a big holiday this month, so we'll leave it. No, the tithe has to come first because this requires faith. When God laid out the principle of the firstborn, he wasn't saying, look, guys, just see how many, many, uh, how many lambs the, the mother has. And when they have 10, just give one to me. That's not what God said. He said, the firstborn belongs to me. And he didn't ask for it. He said it belongs to him. See, God's looking for people who will put him first, who will trust him to be their provider, who will trust him with the 10%. You know that your manager, your boss is not your provider. That workplace is not your provider. That uncle, that mom, that dad, they're not your provider. God is your provider. And that's what we're saying here. God, we trust you to be our provider. God, we're going to give you first because you are first in our lives and we trust you. We stand in faith and say, God, you we'll do more than we could do with it. See, the culture of our day says, get, get, get. But what God says is give, give, give. Understand this again today. It's not about your money. It's about your heart. If money has your heart, you will lose your life to it. But if God has your heart, you'll find your life. What did Jesus say? If you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. It's about the heart. Please, we, let's be dead honest here today. Can't we see in our world that money has people's hearts? Yes. 
Haven't you experienced it yourself? I've experienced it myself. Where money's had my heart, where all I've been worried about is, is where the next, this is going to come from, or that next possession I can buy, or that next thing. Let's be real, this affects all of us. God's not looking for your money, he's looking for your heart. Do you think the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills needs your money? No, he doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. No, also in, verse, in this verse in Exodus 23, where would to bring the tithe? We've already said it. Into the house of the Lord our God. See, bringing the tithe, it isn't sending it to that missionary. It isn't sponsoring that compassion child or that pastor on TV. It's to the house of God. See, we believe in giving beyond our tithe to missionaries. We support a number of missionaries here from Arena Church, and we'd love to tell you about that if you want to know more. We send th- literally thousands of pounds to missionaries. And I, uh, Helen and I ourselves, we sponsor a comp- uh, compassion child. But remember, that's not the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. See, in a way, this might really wreck your head a little bit. We really aren't being generous when we tithe. We're just returning to God what's already his. The last thing I want you to understand is that tithing's a test. Malachi 3 verse 8 to 12. This is God speaking. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop your fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the only time in scripture, that we're encouraged to test God. When it comes to tithes and offerings, God says, test me in this. See, tithing's a test. It's a tithing from God. Sorry, it's a test from God, and it's a test for God. Please, if we can cut through all the stuff this morning and be honest, that the place in our lives that is probably most closed off to God is our wallet. And this isn't for any other reason that it costs us in a very real, very tangible way. See, it's easy to say we have faith, to say we live with faith, but it is very intangible at times. But the tithe is the first faith test we have to pass. Because if we can't return to him what's already his, if we can't trust him with the tithe, if we can't have faith that he'll provide, then really, no matter how much we say we trust God, how much we're talking about putting him first, that really doesn't matter. We're not here to get your money. God will provide for us. We're here to walk you into the blessed life. What God says here in Malachi is pretty straight. We see that the people have not been returning the tithe to God. And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yeah, you robbed me. This scares me. This worries me. Because this means that it's possible to steal from God. That if we don't return to the tithing, we're quite literally stealing from him. I don't know about you, but if there's one person I do not want to rob, it's God. And because of their withholding of the tithe, it says the whole nation was cursed. 
See, in a very real way, I believe as withholding the tithe from God can not only bring a curse on our lives, but also corporately on our church and on our town. I believe our withholding of the tithe can restrict the blessing of God flowing through our congregations. If this was the only verse on tithing in the entire Bible, I would still tithe because I don't want to rob God. The one who gave me everything, the one who transformed me and the one who saved me, the one who created me. I can't rob this good father that we've sang about. I have to honour him. And more than that, I crave his blessing. Listen, this is going to sound really self-serving, but I, I ask God for his blessing every day. God, I need your blessing because I know that on my own, I'm just all right. Probably actually even less than that. I'm not great. But with God, all things are possible. I have to return to him what's his because I'd rather have 90% blessed than 100% that's cursed. A few years ago, Helen and I were in an interesting situation. We went away for a holiday and I always love going on holiday, but I always love coming back. I love coming back from holiday, always. Apart from this one time. And we went away and had three weeks away, which is a you know, fairly long holiday. And from the second I went away, God, I, I, I just got a real and uneasy feeling about my work and about where it was going and just felt, prayed and talked it through with family and friends who were out there and just felt God was, was bringing about a new day in the way that only God can. Just something had switched. He started to stir something within me. See, before I went away, everything was great in the business that I was part of. We were here in targets. The signs were only good, but I felt unrest. We get back from Florida the day we land, I find out of nowhere that a couple of people have been made redundant and it looked like the business was going to split. This was, this was from nowhere before I went away. And over the next few weeks, I was told that I was going to be made redundant. Now, this was at a time when we were expecting Willow um, and, uh, you know, other things were happening. And who knows, it hurts when these things happen, yeah? But I'd gone from being pretty secure in a job to all of a sudden being without one, but God had been speaking. See, throughout this time, we continued to put God first in, in the tithe. Hell and I have all of our married life. I got a job offer, a, a good one, but it just didn't feel right. And God was leading us to start a new business. He'd been, he'd been prepping me for, for quite a while, actually. But here's the thing. Financially, we didn't have the money to start this business. And also, with the business, I had a car that, that it was a company car, but I'd sort of sorted out in my own name. I won't do that again. And um, we, we owed about a thousand quid just to give the car back. So we're in this situation where we're, we're not earning as much and we're going to start this business. This business is going to start from a standing start from a zero. And um, Willow's on the way. is a, a crazy time. And I can remember standing in church a few weeks before the business was going to start, before so the redundancy had happened and like a week or so before things were going to kick off with the business. And I, can rem- I remember this so vividly. Stood in church, I think I was leading across at Ilkeston. And the first worship song, I was just reaching out to God. No one else would have known, maybe apart from Helen, just reaching out to God, saying, God, we need you to come through. God, we, we can't do this on our own. God, we, we trust you. And just knowing that God was going to do something. In the second song, it was weird because Helen wasn't stood next to me. In the second song, Helen walked up to me. And she said, look at this. In her hand was a check for multiple thousands of pounds from nowhere, from nowhere. We, we, we didn't know it was coming. We had no idea that allowed us to pay the car off 
and also seed, be the seed for the new business that comes in. See, this isn't a message this morning about give and you'll get back. This is a message this morning about honour God and let me tell you, he will be your provider. Malachi 3, 10, again. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And I'm believing this for Mansfield, this next bit. Then all nations will call you blessed. For all nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I'm not sure many people are looking in at Mansfield at the moment and saying Mansfield's a blessed place, but I'm believing, Arena Church, that we can lead this land into blessing as we're open-handed, as we're generous, as we put God first. That's what I'm believing. I'm believing that cities are going to look to this place and say, look what God has done there. I believe that's what's going to happen. I believe people are going to say, it makes no sense that that people are coming off the streets, that people are being looked after, that people are being fed because of what God's doing through his church here in Mansfield. See, when you put God first in your finance, he does things in your finance that you could never do. See, that check, we had no idea. Never been given a gift like it uh, before or since. But God just knew the exact perfect time, didn't he? He was our provider. He could do things that I could never achieve. See, tithing's a test. And God wants you to test him in this. He says, see what I'll do. I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. Will you pass the test? Will you trust him? Will you put him first? I know this hurts. I know this is being challenged right now in your life. But God is just waiting to pour out blessing on you. See, I believe as we put God first in our finances as a church, as a community, God's going to do something in this place that we can't comprehend. I believe with the money that we sow, He's going to redeem this town with the finances that we return to him. He's going to fill this church to overflowing. We're going to have multiple services. Your people are going to be asking you to come. Those people from your workplace, those people in that school, those people who are in that social group, they're going to be begging you to bring them. That's what I'm believing. Anyone else believe in that? Don't you know this? Just an aside. Jesus' ministry was so exciting that people couldn't wait to be around him. Read the New Testament. Everywhere he went, People could, he was just struggling to move because of crowds. Jesus draws people. Come on, he's going to do it today in 2019. Jesus is drawing people again. He's starting to work in your life and the lives of those around you. Jesus is doing it and he's going to do it. This is about our hearts. Because you're tired, does it mean you're going to get the Lamborghini or the Rolls Royce? This is not that message today. No but you will be blessed of God. For you, that blessing might be financially, and that's great. But I don't just need financial blessing in my life. I want his blessing on this church. I want his blessing on my family, on my work, in my health. I need the blessing of God. I'm desperate for it. And as we put God first, he's going to walk us into the blessed life together. I'm finished. But here's the thing, if this is really dug deep in you today,
come and talk to us. Come and talk to me. Come and talk to Paul, Liz, Helen, Joe, Nathan. Come and talk to one of us. Come and speak to us about it. We'd love to talk to you. There's no manipulation here. I hope you see today that I've just tried to outline the word of God. You're not getting Josh's ideas today. You're getting the ideas of the word of God. And if you want to speak more about this, we'd love to talk to you. You know, another place to learn really well about this is growth track. In that environment there and in small groups. Church, we love you so much. We don't take it for granted that you, you come here. And I, I love the fact that we get to do this together. I believe in these next days that God's going to walk us into something very special.